If he's with us, he's empowering us to make him known to all the nations. But we know that there are some places in the world where there are not people who know Jesus Christ. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, one-third of the world, right, one out of three, right, people in the world, one-third of the world does not yet have access, access to knowing about the person of Jesus. They got no church, no body of believers, not, not even probably one person who has an abiding personal relationship with Jesus. Can you imagine that? In our organization, we've gone into different nations and peoples. And, you know, when the first time someone starts telling about Jesus, they use that name. And can you imagine it's so unknown to them that they say, what's a Jesus? They don't even know that he is a son of God who came to be amongst us to reveal the Father's glory and to say, you are my own and I love you. Come and follow me. I first don't even have a concept because one-third of the world doesn't have things like a Bible in their own language, a people that is representing, gathered together, a church, right, that is making him known. And so that's why we send. We got to go there because without that, right, without the word of God, without the people of God, those people that are without those revelation of Jesus, the person of, of God in flesh, they need us to go and bring Jesus there. And so our organization, Send International, We're focused on mobilizing, that is, getting God's people like churches here that know Jesus to be activated to say, I'm going to share my story and I'm going to help in making that story of God known to all nations by making disciples, right? Who are going to make disciples, especially among the unreached, those that have not yet heard this one-third of the world that doesn't have access, we've got to be intentional to get there. It makes sense that, you know, we live in our neighborhoods, in a country like the United States of America, and by God's grace, we got freedom to be able to speak and to share and not get imprisoned, at least not today, right? So it's relatively easy to make that message known in this nation, because I can just share it right with my neighbors. But what if I didn't have a neighbor who knew Jesus at all? Well, we got to move into that neighborhood, don't we? And that's what we do. We say, I'm going to come just like Jesus left heaven. I'm going to send God's people. And so you can be a part. Everybody's got a part, right? In, in making sure. We know that not everybody can do that and go There's a lot of different reasons why people can't go to the one-third of the world, but there's a lot of ways that we can be involved in getting people to that one-third in the world. And so a couple weeks ago, it was uh, Pentecost Sunday, and that day is also the International Day for the Unreached. It's a day that we remember that God gave us his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, right? And, And what happened at Pentecost? There was a a commotion, right? Why was there a commotion on Pentecost Sunday? Holy Spirit came down, and it was noisy in there. Because what happened? The Holy Spirit fell, and God's people, what did they start doing? They're speaking in all different languages. Why? Because the Spirit of God wants to empower us to go to all nations, to all peoples, all languages. And so God's spirit said, okay, you waited now. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your presence is here. Now go out, right, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, right? Acts 1.8, 
He told us what was going to happen, and it's continuing today. Because the mission is not yet finished with one-third of the world still waiting to hear that message of Jesus Christ. But that presence and the Spirit of God is here still today, isn't it? With the same message and the same mission and the same empowering. And so when we remember on Pentecost Sunday that, oh, the Holy Spirit has been given to us because Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, right? And he says, so then what? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do what? Obey, right? Everything that I have commanded you. And he says, and and don't forget, right? Because if you're worried about that, that's pretty intimidating. We say, what? How are we going to do that, Lord? He says, most important thing, don't forget, I am with you always. I will never forsake you. I'm with you. And because he is with us, right, that's why we believe. I walk in the room. Jesus walks in the room with me. Holy Spirit walks in the room with me. If I let the Spirit of God control me just like at Pentecost came down, right, then the Holy Spirit is going to work through me. Wow. Step back. Step back. Is that not awesome? The Holy Spirit wants to be with us and then to speak for us. So that we speak the words of God, just in the same way that Jesus said, I only say what my father says. And so can we walk into a room and and know by the spirit of God and walk in the spirit of God, abide in the spirit of God, and therefore be able to speak the very words of God with the very manner of Christ that brings healing to the nations? Because that's what Jesus did. Have you looked at Jesus today? Because we need his touch, don't we? Every day, I need a reminder that he's with me and that he actually, he cares. In this crazy world, we can feel sometimes like, God, I feel so alone. I feel so isolated. Sometimes I can feel abandoned. Sometimes I have been abandoned by people. And that hurts. But if we look at Jesus as revealed in the New Testament Gospels, every single person he met with, their lives had the potential of being completely different because he changes us day by day when we're with him. I want to just give us a moment um, to quietly just invite Jesus to speak to you. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much because you have chosen to be with us to reveal yourself to us through the word of God, through the blessing of your church, through people that you send into our lives to remind us that you are not far. In fact, you want to be known. You want to be seen and acknowledged in our lives. And Lord, there are some today that are seeking you right now. Seeking you for a blip of hope in this dark world. For encouragement to follow you with boldness and faithfulness. For vision and inspiration 
for what it is that you have for them today. Lord Jesus, you know each of our our pains, our hurts, the ways that this week has been hard, and the ways that we've been far away from you. So we draw near to you again. Lord Jesus, in the stillness and in the silence, we remember the words from Isaiah that call us to be still and to know that you are God. I thank you, Jesus, that that relieves me of any burden to do or be something that I'm not. but that you want to show up in big ways in my life and in your church and through your church and in this world. So, Lord Jesus, make your glory known. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your personal touch that is ministering to each person here by the work of your Holy Spirit to remind them that they are so precious in your sight, that they are loved without condition. They are accepted. And that you are with them, transforming this body of Christ to be a light, a beacon to all nations for our joy and for your glory. Lord, give us that joy of our salvation again. May we be captured by who you are. And may we remember that everyone, every person on this earth is truly longing to know that same love and acceptance and purpose that you give in worshiping you with our lives. So help us to tell our stories. In Jesus' name, we give you this praise. Amen. So today, I invite you to open up to Acts 17. And I'm going to invite you into this story. It's called Sharing Our Stories. And we're going to find out, well, hmm, how do I know what this story is about? Well, we know that we look to the author, the author of all stories, the creator of the world and the creator of each one of us. And we know that we get our story, our big story from the Bible. And so we're going to go into a little story here where the context is the Apostle Paul is speaking in a context of some what he calls Gentiles, right? There were the Jews and there were the Gentiles. The Jewish people, right, were the people that kind of through the Old Testament that were chosen and given the person of of God, right, to be a different nation, to live amongst other nations in a different way, to be a witness, right? And then Jesus came to that nation. He was born into that nation from that people group, right, that lineage, that genealogy, although it included Gentiles at different places too, right? And so now he's in... Paul is in this space, right? And they don't know about Jesus. They didn't get to meet Jesus when he was living on earth. And so this is after the resurrection, right? And after Paul has had his transformation and the Holy Spirit has revealed to him, the person of Jesus has revealed to him what Jesus is really about because Paul, right, used to be thinking, Jesus, you're crazy. And all your people that follow Jesus, well, 
He wasn't going to follow them, right? He said, no, we're going to keep this Jewish nation together. We're going to keep the Jewish ways. But then Jesus changed Paul. And Paul then went, right, with that message from Jesus. And he's standing there amongst this group, right, kind of in their religious kind of spaces. They have all these monuments, and they've got these different idols, as we would call them, right, these stones that are saying, oh, remember this God, and, you know, remember this God. And so he's seeing, and he says, hmm, you know, you guys even have this stone here that says to an unknown God, to an unknown God. And he says, let me tell you about that God. Because I've seen that God, and that God wants to make himself known to you because he's above all these other gods. And you don't need to know anyone else but Jesus. And so he starts telling this story, and he starts actually, he says, back in the day, my people, right, the Jewish people, and he kind of gives this backstory, and he says, here's where Jesus came into the story, okay? So this is what this context is. He's trying to explain to people that don't know God, about this God, right? All right. Who can, who can read loudly for me just this particular section here of Acts 17, 26 and 27? Can someone read that out loud for me? Acts, um, sorry, did I say Acts 16? 17, sorry, 26 and 27. 26 and 27? Yes. Okay. Um, and, he's, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the, all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in hope, in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Mm. Though he is not far, though he is not far from each one of us. Wow. Wow. What do we see in that passage there? What is what is Paul telling about our God as he's making that God known to a people that don't know about that God? What is he saying about that God? One blood, all nations, right? One man, right? God made all peoples. God made all peoples. He says, this God is the almighty God who made all peoples on earth. You think you should know that God? <laughs> right? Okay. What else do we see? What do we find out about this God from what Paul has revealed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, so this God is worthy to be sought, yeah? And if we seek him, well, that sounds familiar, right? If we seek him, you will find him. And here it's saying, right, because he's not far from any one of us. So if you seek him, You'll find him. So Paul is setting up, wetting up, wetting their appetite, right? If you seek him, you will find him. Because he is a God who made all peoples. And actually, from that one man, right, from one person that God created, what did he do? He made every nation, right? Every nation, so there's that one blood, yeah, every nation of men, and he did it with purpose, intention to live all over the earth, right? Because remember at the beginning, God said, go, right? Show my glory to all the world. He wanted the people, right, to scatter, to be fruitful and to multiply so that his glory, because we carry the image of God, right, would be known on all the earth. So he scattered them to all over the earth, right? And he did that. He, he had them live all over the earth, and he purposed, right? He determined. That's God, right? He's thinking about all these things. He determined 
their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. So the time and the where, the place of where each one of these peoples lives was something that God had in mind. And we know that God always accomplishes all his purposes, right? So from one man, he has made every nation of men to live all over the earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. And it doesn't just end there. That's an awesome God, isn't it, already? But then he says, and I want to know him, right? I want you to know him, and I want all peoples to know him, because he says, so that, there's my purpose clause, they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So the very purpose, the very intention of God in placing every person of every nation on earth into the locations and the times in which they live is so that what? They would know God. And they would seek him, they would find him, and make him known, right? Because people everywhere are seeking and need to find him. But if there is no one to tell them about who he is, like Paul is saying, let me tell you about him. You don't know. You, you know this unknown God? Well, let me tell you about this God because I know him. But there are people in the world, right, one-third of the world, to which God is unknown. Jesus is unknown. The salvation and the freedom, the knowledge of Christ is unknown. But still, God is not far. Because why? He has determined the times and the boundaries of every person, every nation. And there's a beautiful piece, back to the puzzle piece, of the picture that you hold because you have been appointed for such a time as this to do your part in revealing God's glory to all peoples and all nations. So think about your story. How did I get here or there? Maybe at my workplace. Maybe at where I hang out with my family. Maybe a vacation I'm going to. Does it reframe how we think? about every moment, every time, every place that God sends us because he sends us on mission. You know, let me just tell you a little story. Example, because it just happened. At our lovely sister Kanita's wedding, you know, I needed a place to stay. And uh, I was searching, you know, obviously there's hotels and all these different things. And uh, I had an option, right, with one of the bridesmaids. And uh, I, I was searching around. I was waiting, actually, because there was a church. There was a lot of church contacts that I had because I did a training down there last year in Wilmington. And I was kind of waiting for that to happen. Well, it didn't come through. So I said, oh, no, oh, no, I need to book something. I need a place to stay. So I went. I was looking at these Airbnbs. And I had this one that was close to the venue. And then... Uh, that one got taken by the time I went to look and get book it. And so then I booked this other one. Well, Saturday, I show up, right? Saturday night, I show up to this Airbnb. I'm thinking, man, God, I thought, I thought you had a different place for me. I could have gotten with that other thing. You know, it would have been nice. Wouldn't be less so stressful. But guess what? God had a mission for me. And he sent me somewhere. He sent me to an Airbnb where this couple was there, and they go to another church down there that I didn't know of yet, but Christ Community Church down in Wilmington. And the, the wife, right, so we end up having a whole conversation. We're talking for hours. The wife is a counselor and has taken the Perspectives on the World Christian Movement course. And the husband 
had been uh, an exchange student for a season in the country of Spain where I used to serve, in Acala de Henares where I used to live. And then they're telling me, and he's a carpenter, and then they're telling me we're open to missions. We think that God has that somewhere in our course. Okay. You know? You know? Does God not have a plan and the times and appointments and boundaries, right, that he gives us? And he says no to this. And we think, hmm, wait, but that was a nice Airbnb that I got blocked out of. But now he had a mission for me. And he sent me to that couple. And then we're going to keep in touch because you know what? They are on a journey to fulfill the purposes that God has for them. And God sent me in his time to that place. You know, I'm going for Kanita's wedding. And God's sending me, you know, to make disciples that are going to make disciples of all nations and to encourage them on their journey. Praise God. So, so does that change, you know? Hmm, I got a vacation coming up this summer. Am I going to keep my eyes open? Because guess what? God is sending you. If you carry, right, you know the person of Jesus, you are walking in the room with Jesus, and Jesus is walking in the room with you, and somebody needs that word from the Lord. Wow. Okay. So let's take a look. Why am I here this morning? Why are you here this morning? May the Lord bless the word of God to be fruitful in our lives, that we will not forsake his mission, but fulfill our part by being his witnesses in all the nations. Well, we saw what the Bible says, and it changed our way of thinking about it. Now, what about the unreached, right? Have you thought about that? I think what's interesting, have you heard this word diaspora, right? Because we talk about the African diaspora, right? Or diaspora, sometimes people say that way. A lot of people, you know, who knows English? (laughs) Right? It's always changing up. It's like, man, this makes it hard to learn this language. But either way, so it talks about, right, the idea that God's people are scattered, right? And people are scattered all over the world, right? And so diaspora talks about this idea of God being a God who moves people. We know he moves them for his purposes so that they might make him known, and that people might be known by God, right? So that he sends his people there, and sometimes he moves his people so that they can be in in proximity with people that know him. Well, God has been doing that a big, big, big time in in these nations, right? Like Afghanistan, right? Syria, Ukraine, right? There are all of these conflicts that have been happening of recent, right, in the last couple years. Could it be... Hmm. Let's look at that word again. That just in the same way that he moves his people, he is moving the unreached to be our neighbors. Because guess what? They didn't have a neighbor before that knew Jesus Christ. Like these Afghan refugees that have come with barely nothing on their, you know, with them. Right? And, and in a country like Afghanistan where they've, they haven't known about Jesus. In fact, they only got lies about Jesus probably. Right? They got a misunderstanding from this Islamic teaching. But now they come into this nation and they say, wow, my people, you know, that come with this Islamic background, they're all fighting and killing each other. That is something messed up with that. And so they're open. And then they find out that they're received and welcomed by the church of God here, by people that say, I love Jesus Christ. And then they say, hmm, tell me about this Jesus. And then we look in the word and they say, wow, I never knew that Jesus was like this. I didn't know that he was gracious and generous and loved all people and he brought healing to the nations. And so these people, right, are being moved to be our neighbors right here. And have we seen them? Oh, Lord, have mercy that I've been about my day and about my business And I might have not seen that you brought someone in my neighborhood and maybe actually, let me be honest, maybe that made me feel uncomfortable that they moved into my neighborhood. Right? Because I like being with my people. I know my people. I feel safe with my people. These people, I don't know. But like Ruth, right? 
people of God, they, they went out, right, into this far-out nation because there was famine and things like that. Ruth came to know God. Why? Because the people of God, right, revealed that to her when they were in a different land. And then, interestingly enough, right, Ruth comes back to the people of Israel and does something pretty amazing. She reveals the love and the glory of God through her faithfulness in the faith that God has given her. So God is always moving people to and from, right? But will we see the people that God has sent us to because some of them might even be part of this one-third of the world that is considered unreached, but they don't have to be unreached anymore because they're your neighbor. They're your neighbor. And God has sent you to them, and God has sent them to you. So remembering that God has appointed the times and the boundaries of where we live so that God would make himself known, that we would know him, that's pretty powerful. Um, Now, on this uh, Juneteenth, I will not forsake to also bring in a hard story, right? A hard story of God moving people. Now, that's hard, right? Because then we think, okay, Lord, that was a lot of trauma and pain and grief that we're still dealing with, and a lot of injustice and a lot of inequity. And I think about, in my own story, as a person whose family line, my grandfathers, neither of them, were believers. They probably, you know, were only exposed to maybe Buddhism, some, you know, native, you know, kind of religion in China. They didn't know about Jesus. And war came to China, the communist revolution. And both my grandfathers, they were part of the nationalist government, so they had to flee for their lives. My grandfather literally had, they had a reward for his head. They wanted to kill him because he was one of these uh, people in the government. So they fled, both of my families. Um, And it's really stories of miracles, you know? I mean, literally, like, on the last plane out from my father's side, There was a lottery and all this stuff, and they had to pay lots of money because it was being extorted and all this, you know, people just trying to escape for their lives. My mom, well, that's a crazy story. My mom, as a child, I mean, she was like lost on an island for a year. Why? Because they fled in the middle of the night to escape because they were waiting for my grandfather to show up so they could capture him and kill him. So... Well, it's kind of a funny story because Chinese New Year, they gave the guards that were waiting outside, all these soldiers that were waiting for my grandfather, they gave him, (laughs) they said, hey, it's Chinese New Year, join in the celebration, got them drunk. Should we talk about that from the pulpit here? (laughs) Not a Christian, right? They weren't Christians, it's okay. Either way, they got drunk, right? The guards got drunk, and then my mom, you know, with my grandmother and, you know, the family, they fled in the middle of the night. And they, they got on a boat, just a, you know, a barge, a raft or something, and just let them get taken out to sea. And they ended up on some island. <laughs> I didn't know where they were. And they were there for about a year before they made contact with my grandfather. And then they ended up, uh, my, both my parents then ended up having fled the country of China in war for their lives. They went to Taiwan. They grew up there. And eventually, both my parents, singly, right, came over here to the United States to study graduate work, came to my church that I grew up in. The pastor discipled them to the faith. And I had the privilege. I had the gospel privilege of growing up with knowing the name of Jesus from a young age. So what The evil one intended, right, for our harm. He changed the course of my family line. That now, my brothers and sisters and I, we're all followers of Jesus. Do you have a story like that? 
There might be pain. There's definitely, right? There's, it's not that it's all one way or another. There's pain in the journey. There's a lot of trauma and loss and, and you know, war, slavery, all of these things that are in our, our family past. It doesn't take away from the fact that that was destructive, that I, my mom left a brother in the country who was tortured over and over and over again. Does that not cause you pain? Does that not weigh on our families? Yes, it does. But by God's grace, he moved my family. And now we have the gospel privilege to bring it back to our family. My family in Taiwan, that's why I'm learning Chinese, because I don't speak Chinese, because I grew up under racism here. (laughs) And even though my parents spoke it in the house, I said, well, I don't want to be Asian. And I rejected, right, this gift that God had given me because of this pressure to be white or to reject my nation and my people and my language. But now I'm learning Chinese because guess what? My mom should not be the only one who can speak to her brothers and sisters that are in Taiwan or in China and these cousins that I have. And only one of my cousins in Taiwan is a believer in Jesus. Because, and and send international, we send, right, to these nations. But I had the privilege of growing up in this nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to work hard, all the more like Paul says, so that I can become like all things to all men, like learning a language that I might be able to share the testimony that Jesus has given me. Because you know what? Look at that journey that my family went through. It's going to be worth it for the nations to receive the gospel. This week, tune in. This week, do you know what's going on? Online, on your computer, and in person in Vienna, Virginia, is the National African American Missions Conference. Did you know that was happening? The National African American Missions Conference. Because guess what? God's people are going to be, once again, gathering, whether online or in person. I'll be there with my company, with Sin. Because we want the glory of God to be revealed through our stories. We are no longer going to be silent. We're no longer going to just say, wow, this is all bad. No, God is turning bad to his glory. He says, I have a greater redemption story than you could have ever imagined or even asked for, right? Because you don't have the ideas and thoughts that he has. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are better than our ways. And when he says, I have placed you, I have brought you, I have brought your family line, I've brought you to this nation, and then sometimes I send you some places, it's for my purposes. So praise the Lord that he has given us a story. So now when you think about your story, does that reframe a little bit about the story? I hope so. So with that knowledge, how am I going to obey and even share that story? Share what it is that God has put on my heart. I already did that, so I'm going to move on. There's my story. Do we believe when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few? Where do I fall in that? Where do I fall in that? You are either a worker, right, or part of the harvest that needs to be brought together into the harvest field of God, right? Now, if we're followers of Jesus, that means that we're what? We're workers. (laughs) So we got a harvest field to go harvest to be a part of bringing his glory to those nations, To those people that he's sending us to. So where are we being faithful when we go to work? Literally, when you go to work (laughs) or you don't go to work or you work even from a computer because that's this day and age, right? How are we bringing the Jesus into those conversations? How are we bringing our relationship and our faith? Because the harvest is plentiful, which means that people are doing what? They are seeking him 
even when they don't know that they're seeking him because they're seeking it in alcohol or they're seeking it in relationships or they're seeking it in money or in their career. And they're saying, I'm trying to find some sort of love and significance and acceptance that is unconditional, but they're trying to find it in all the different places of the world, all these lies that the world gives. They're seeking it. They may look really messed up from a Christian point of view, right, because we got these mindsets and we say, wait, wait, we forgot that we were once there or that we should have, would have, could have been there because, but by the grace of God, we would have been there, right? And so we look at them, we say, oh, but look at me. I wear nice dresses on Sundays and I do my thing. No, they're our harvest field. Are you holding judgment against those people that are seeking and need to know the message that you carry? If you have the hope of Jesus, if you have the joy of Jesus, if you have the love of Jesus, they are seeking it. That's what it means for the harvest to be plentiful. Everyone, one-third of the world, billions of people, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Why? Why is it? It's because we don't believe. You of little faith, right? So let's go and let's look at this other story. All right, I'm going to keep moving here. Let's look at what Jesus did, right, to teach his disciples how to make disciples like he did. Now, I'm going to move on to this because I know I'm not actually sure the time I got. But <laughs> what time do I got, Pastor Benson? Ten minutes. Okay, cool. Because then we're going to look at this story. I love this story. I'm going to share this story. This one. The fish and the loaves. The fish and the loaves. Okay, you remember this story, right? It's actually just a historical account of what Jesus did when he was walking on earth, right? He's with his disciples. They're walking in the wilderness. All the people are following him because they want to hear from Jesus because Jesus has been doing awesome things, right? Jesus has been healing people. Jesus has been rescuing people from demons. He's been, you know, curing people that have blindness and lameness and they're walking and they're seeing and some people that you know got crunched over backs now they're walking straight they're jumping for joy all these things right so all these crowds are following Jesus because they want more of Jesus right or do they want more of the stuff that Jesus gives sometimes we wear that too right <laughs> Jesus I just want to show up for uh where's the bread Where's the fish? Okay, so either way, we got a large crowd. Everybody's hanging out there. Everybody's there for different reasons, probably, you know. But some of them are curious, right? And they're wondering, hmm, who's this Jesus? But they are actually what? The harvest is plentiful. And they're seeking. They don't know what they're seeking, maybe. But Jesus is going to show up. He's going to reveal the glory of God to them. So how does he do it? He chooses to do it through his people. He involves us in his mission. He involves us in what he's doing. So he says to his disciples, he says, hmm, these people, they've been with me a long time, right? They're hungry. Give them something to eat. (laughs) You remember the story? Okay. Tell me what one of the disciples was thinking. We don't have nothing. Jesus, you crazy. Right? Look at all these people. I'm a poor fisherman. I, I mean, I can't even make enough in a whole year to feed these people. What are you talking about, Jesus? Send them away, says another. Send them to the towns. Give it to somebody else to do that job. They got to pay for themselves. Let them get there themselves. Right? This is what his disciples are saying. Do we say the same thing? We got one-third of the world that is unreached. They don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't have a way to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what do we say? Well, let them find out themselves. Send them to another town. Jesus is right there. You are right there. And you're going to go, hmm, I don't think I got enough money. This is impossible. And the disciples, what do they bring? They say, well, Jesus says what? He says, well, go find out. Go find out what we got. And who shows up? According to the Gospel of John, a little boy, right? I don't know how the mama mama packed a good lunch for this boy because he still had five loaves and two fish. 
right? But either way, a little boy comes up, right? The disciples have essentially taken his lunch, <laughs> right? The bullies, they came on, they stole the little man's, little man's uh, lunch. But either way, they said, we don't got anything, so hey, why don't you, hey, you got, you got some fish. And... So they bring the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus. Okay, so disciples who had nothing just asked around and said, hey, what you got over there? That looks good, man. Can you bring that to Jesus? Do you mind offering that to Jesus? That's kind of what I do, actually. This is my role in my job, right? I say, what do you have to offer to Jesus? And I'm just, I just come to these crowds and I say, hey, you know, not, not everybody has a fish to bring. Not everybody has a bread to bring. But guess what? In this congregation, in God's people, in his church, he's always provided enough. He's always provided enough if we would just offer it. So the little boy gives his offering. The disciples bring it to Jesus. And then the party starts, right? Because it wasn't about the little boy and it really wasn't about the disciples or what they thought or what they didn't think or what they had or what they didn't have. It was about Jesus because he takes our five loaves and two fish. And what does he do? He does the impossible. He gives thanks to his father. He says, thank you for this. And then he says, I'm going to give it back to my people. And guess what? I want you to go distribute it. You go distribute it. You go distribute it. And you thought there wasn't that much there. But guess what? When I take the miracle of Jesus, in my hands, the story that God has given me, this story of salvation, and then I offer it to someone else. Here, be a part of this. Let me break you a piece. Have a piece of this bread. Have a piece of this fish. Guess what? They are all satisfied. They are all satisfied. And then, because it's our God, and he says, don't you think that I'm just going to be scarce on this? Hey, disciples, now go pick up what's left. You do the cleanup. Go clean up. And they clean up, and they clean up, and, and then they got baskets full, 12 baskets full. In another one, another reading, right, we got seven. And yeah, they're saying, wait a second, what is going on? And Jesus is always saying, this is about my people, I have enough for my people, the 12 tribes of Israel, and seven, right? And the 70 nations, I got enough for the nations. There's more than enough here. There's more than enough here. But do you believe? Will you take the pieces that he's given you, whatever it is you think you have or you don't have, but as the church as the church, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And so we have no doubt that he has given us more than enough for the blessing, the sustenance of his people, as well as for the provision and the blessing in abundance to the nations. Wow. Will we see what's there in the word of God? And what he's saying to us, we've got a part. All we got to do is distribute it. So real quick, this is my, a fun little tool I'm going to give you. If we trust it, if we trust him to give back. Uh-oh, did I lose it up? Can you advance me? I hope. Did the internet cut out? It's okay. Give you a real quick tool because we got, this is about sharing our stories, distributing what he's given us. Now, you've probably heard my story, right, on uh, how God made me an ice hockey player, and he sent me to Spain, and I'm on, playing on an ice hockey team over there, and I just showed up. I didn't, oh, thank you. And, um, and I just show up because Jesus is with me. And he didn't, I didn't even realize because I wasn't really with him in his game, but God got me on board with his global mission by showing that I was living with uh, a people, right, that needed Jesus. One percent of the world, or one percent of Spain, is you know our believers in Jesus Christ. So most likely, the, the girls I was playing with on this ice hockey team didn't have a witness otherwise. 
And so Jesus revealed that to me. He humbled me. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, you made me an ice hockey player and sent me to Spain for what? To make your glory known. Okay, so only God does these awesome things because, well, that's what he's always doing. But what about you? Right? That's me there. Think about your story, right? How are we going to share it? Let me give you a quick, very quick thing. Have you ever seen this? It's called the 15-second testimony. 15 seconds. It's just you're going to go fishing. You know, you put the little thing out there. And so you say, right, you know what? Think about how I was maybe before I encountered Jesus. Maybe before I encountered Jesus this morning, I was discouraged, right? I think about a, a weird word. How did I feel? I was discouraged. I was without hope. But guess what? Then I went to the word of God, right? And I came out encouraged. I came out having hope because I remembered that Jesus loved me and that he is faithful and he is glorious and wonderful. And so I was changed, right? So in the same way that I can do that on a daily basis, we can talk about that with our story of Jesus. Like, how did you decide to follow Jesus? For me, I was in a place where I was living, kind of doing my own thing, right? And it was not working. And most people in the world, that's what they're doing, right? I was really at the end of myself. And I said, Lord, I heard that you have a good plan for my life. I heard that you have the words of life, that your word and your life and your plan for my life is good. Well, I want that because I don't have that. And so then here's what happened, right? I was this. I encountered Jesus. I received his acceptance, his salvation, and I surrendered my life to him. And then... He gave me purpose. I felt accepted. I felt loved. And then I had joy, right? So all you're doing is you're saying, here's an adjective on one side of how I was before Christ. Here's my encounter with Christ. And here's my, how I felt afterwards. So look at those little lines. All you got to do is fill in two words. Can you do that? Two words. I, I had a little bit more than two words, but, you know, I like to talk a lot. So here we go. Do you have a story like that? There was a time in my life when I was lonely. I received Jesus' forgiveness and chose to follow him, and I found out I belonged. Do you have a story like that? That was less than 15 seconds, right? All we got to do. And so all we're doing is telling our real story. And we're scattering. We're distributing what he's given to us. So that's my equipping tool for you today. I'm going to send you out with that because God is sending you to all peoples, to your neighbors, to all nations through your testimony. So all you have to do, share your story. Do you have a story like that? And if they don't have a story like that, do you want to know more about my story? Let me tell you about this unknown God. Let me tell you about Jesus and trust that the harvest it's plentiful, and Jesus is sending you to work it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this people that you've brought together here today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to work with disciples that we don't see oftentimes what you're doing. We don't understand that you've given us everything with your power that is with us always and all power and authority that goes with us to carry the story of Jesus to all nations. We pray for the unreached, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would send your people out and that we would do our part to see the miracles of the impossible made possible for the feeding of all the nations. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.